Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. See here, do you have neck pain? I have neck pain, yeah. Probably, probably COVID. <laughs> you think? No. <laughs> okay. Well. Have you felt hungry in the last 24 hours? Yeah, man, I was I was pretty hungry for dinner. Have you felt thirsty in the last 24 hours? Uh-huh, yeah. I'm drinking right now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, you're drinking. Surprise, surprise. No, so I, there's, one, there's one or two things that I think cause my neck pain. One, I was on a plane for like 12 hours. One of actually three things, I suppose. And uh, one of the one of the things I couldn't recline at all. So it's like, I don't know. I was And I was watching movies on it. So I was like, well, maybe that was something there. I was looking at a screen most of the day Sunday uh, after being sitting in that chair the, the day before. So maybe there's something there. And then uh, the... Plumbers had a cleaner come after they were done, and I don't know, they like waxed our floor or something, and I can't walk more than like five or six steps without slipping just a little bit, and there was a one closer call, Uh huh. and I think it's possible that just, you know, the, when you're catching yourself, you yep. can kind of tweak something, and you know, in the golden years that, that I, <laughs> as my wife reminds me. Like, oh, you're 31 now, so this is, it's all downhill from here. Well, I have to say, I, I ended up with about a sciatica or something similar after the trip to Portland. But oh, yeah? part of that was just, I think maybe I told you about this already. No, I don't think so. We're just getting warmed up. You can tell me. I'm trying to remember. We, we've had a podcast since we got back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, I think it was just a combination of lots of activity and lots of sitting. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, I actually went for uh, went for a run today and during the run because I was like thinking, well, if I warm everything up, then right. I could feel better. And it yep. felt great. Did some stretches right afterwards. And then uh-huh. as I was like sitting down to finish up my day, it just started exactly where it was before. Did you have Dr. Blom? You should have. Well, I guess it, it wasn't bothering you before you saw Dr. Blomgren. It so. wasn't bothering me, but it was great to spend time with his family. It was uh, it was so much fun. Uh, I realized that the kids really, they really listen to you. And if you make a joke, they uh, it, sometimes they take it maybe a little, a little more seriously. They were like, uh, what time are you leaving uh, to me and my wife? Uh-huh. And I was like, well, what time are you going to bed? They're like seven seven thirties bedtime, and I was like, "We're probably even around seven thirty one." And so when they went to bed, they were like, "But if we go to bed, they'll leave." <laughs> like, well, that does sound like their oldest, especially. It, it was. How kid. did you know? Well, no, actually, that was uh, that was not their oldest. That was their middleest. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just like heartbreaking for them. But we had a really good time and. We we know the the Blomgrens did as well, or at least I think so. I hope so. Well, you'll find out if you get any uh, angry emails after <laughs> this podcast episode. Don't ever come to North Carolina again. No, they didn't say that. They said, yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a very different experience for for us just to just to be with so many people that basically take the opposite view of the last two years related to COVID as us. Like other than like the Blomgrens don't. No, but we only spent one day with them. Oh, and who were the other people? You- my wife's extended family. It's just like because they're rubbing shoulders with so many people who basically take the opposite stance, like they didn't wear masks. Right. And that was very different than when my in laws lived over here. And oh, they moved. Yeah, they moved. That's probably went down. Oh, I had no idea. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they moved in July. Yeah, you didn't tell me that they had moved. Or maybe yeah, you didn't. I, did. I, just... I definitely told you. It's okay. on the podcast. Okay. No, <laughs> I don't know. I definitely missed that. Like You missed it. So so all are all the kids still up here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But three of them are married and the other ones moved out. Well, I mean they're all moved out at this point. I was I was looking at our uh, website about Oh me. yeah? You uh did you you check the about me out? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. It looks like <laughs> I need to fill in some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did you like my now reading? That was that was the thing I thought was the funniest for you. I recognize Fooled by Randomness. Uh-huh. The beginning of infinity you don't recognize? No. Do you know Nor what the wheel of time is? The wheel of time. You don't, or you do? I do not. Okay. It's a fantasy series. Okay. Jeff Bezos just decided he wanted to make a, a film series or a movie, a series out of it, not a film or a movie. Um, and he was like, uh, you know how they have the uh, Game of Thrones kind of, I want something like that. And this was long enough and finished enough that he, they decided to make that. But it's, uh, I guess, pretty wildly different from the actual story. Like, huh. So, I, and I think, um, I think the content warning is enough for me to not be interested anyway. Um, yeah, fooled, fooled by randomness is by Nassim Taleb, uh, and his his best book, in my opinion. His best book, in Kyle's opinion, um, the beginning of infinity is by David Deutsch. These are both; those were both um, recommended by uh, Naval. Deutsch oh, oh. sounds really familiar. He is a physicist, mathematician, philosopher, um, ah. and he's an atheist for sure. Oh, he's, he's got you were telling. He's got really interesting ideas about man's limits and lack of limits, and um, there are I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna finish the book. It's it's quite dense. He's a he's a smart guy, or at least has lots of ideas that are difficult to comprehend. Um, I don't know if that makes him smart or not. He's not. He's he's smart, but not smart enough to. Uh... No, he's a very good communicator. He just, um, one of the ways that I judge a book is based on where it takes me when I'm not reading it. Okay. And it feels like this book is taking me kind of further away from the Lord. Oh, interesting. Or I feel, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the, it's like, it makes makes much out of man. Uh-huh. And so, and then man taking the place of, of God, and I don't want that. And so, that's a pretty big red flag for me. So, I guess... The only reason I said I'm not sure is because I I was enjoying parts of it, but uh-huh. there's, yeah, there's a pretty, that downside is a pretty significant downside, and so yeah. it's prob- probably time just to put it down and let it go. I like that rule of thumb, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how, I don't know, that's, I was talking in one of our podcasts about Dan Carlin and... um, kind of the, you know, it was it was our podcast about the Gulag. I'm so bad with the names that you're dropping right now. Like they're names of people that are recognizable. It's okay. So remember when we were talking about Dan Carlin or excuse me, <laughs> try again. Do you remember when we were talking about the Gulag Archipelago? Right. Um, he was, Dan Carlin was one of the, uh, he did a podcast and he does them about war and he kind of does them about the extremes of uh, yeah. human experience. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I just didn't like what that did for me. Like in the, you know, the kind of tapes that we play in our head when we're not listening to anything or we're just kind of quiet with our own thoughts. And yeah, I, it's just a, I, I just know for myself that we have, you know, only so much time and we can read books or input into our, our hearts and minds, things that get us what we want or that are interested, you know, like there's, if the things, I don't know, there's so many things that we could read. Right. That it's not like, okay, this sets enough bad marks that I'm not going to fill my mind with this. I'm probably more prone to, there's significantly less 
investment in a in a TV show or a movie. And my wife and I have been better about just like, are you enjoying this? No, uh-huh. not really. Like, and right. then we just stop. Yeah. So uh, there's we've done that for two shows recently, and I'm really glad that we did. Uh, maybe three. And it was just like, oh yeah, we don't actually we're not not really invested in these characters, and there's and it's perfectly fine to just not finish a series or not finish a movie even. So. Have you read any Stephen King? Uh, I have read his book on writing. Okay. And but that's not any of his novels. No. Um, he does scare the crap out of me, though. Even in that. He he has a few examples of his... I don't like horror. Is that what it is? His? Yeah. I th- Yeah, I think so. Why? Have you read anything by Stephen King? No, but I'm... I, I've heard people talk about it as being... I guess really well written. Yeah, you know he's a. I I have heard the same thing. Let's see what Wikipedia says. Um, I guess I could see it being suspense. I don't I'm know how you'd write. Sure, horror. Stephen King is a horror. Like, I don't know. Let me see. He lives in Portland, Maine. Horror, fantasy, supernatural, apocalyptic so it, fiction. Huh. He does have suspense and thriller in there as well. But have you heard of uh, James Wesley Rawls? James Wesley Rawls. No, can you spell yes. it for me? He uh Rawls. I can spell the rest of it. R A W L E S. Rawls novels? Yes. Oh, and actually I just saw before I went over to this that um Stephen King's nickname is the King of Horror. Okay, so definitely horror. So maybe I'm not as interested in reading. Yeah. Uh Yeah, so Are you what about, him? about Wall- Rawls right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I just read. I just finished up a book called uh, "Survival and Resistance," uh-huh. and it's about. It, it's written by an Irish guy, an Irish um, history professor who came and toured the Pacific Northwest. Um, and his idea was he wanted to come visit the Pacific Northwest, so he came up with a reason to write a, a book that gave him the reason to come to the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And the book was on um, some of the ideas around kind of the, the Benedict option and kind of Christians leaving society to form their own society mm. to survive this collapse of society, basically. Yeah. And so the name of the book is Survivals? Survival Survivors? And, survival and Resistance. Huh. Because I'm like... Crawford Gribben. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. But Rawl, so the start of the book is a summary of one of Rawls's books. Hmm. And in that summary from Rawls's books, Rawls book, essentially he has two characters in Washington DC and they things start really falling apart in DC, so they make their way across the country meeting special forces types people who join their band as they avoid robbers and um, different invading armies Mm. and end up in Moscow, Idaho, where they join Christchurch. I'm not even kidding. That was, that's the (laughs) plot of the book. Wow. I bet you weren't expecting that. No, no, I was not I didn't expecting know where you, it either when I read it. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going, but that was not the destination in, you know. Yeah. Huh. Wild. So I guess this this guy has written these books that he lives he moved to Idaho. Uh-huh. And he's written these books on like how to be a like survivalist prepper. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's so written he, novels on it. Uh-huh. He's he, written this whole series of novels on it and like it a lot of them center around moving to Idaho and defending oneself against the Chinese invasion. That is quite an idea. Huh? And it's, it's not like a small, not like it's a, I don't remember if he's, I think he's made New York times bestseller status on some of these books. Yeah. Let's see. So he's got his, uh, he's got his website. Oh yeah, and his, I guess his website is very into survivalist type things too. Do you I'm want me to tell you the name out. of it? The name of his blog? Survival or his website? Blog. Survivalblog.com? Yeah. 
Yeah. That that was in the book, uh, Survival and Resistance. The the mm. book was really helpful for me in terms of he goes back through a lot of the theology of some of the Christian Reconstructionists um, as it relates to government mm. and education and uh, media. So and, sorry, the uh, James Rawls. No, or? sorry, going back to the Survival and Resistance book. Okay, uh, Rawls was just an introduction to survival and resistance uh-huh. for the podcast. Well, okay. survival and resistance was the introduction to me of Rawls and his fiction. Okay. And it's just, it, it blew my mind when I <laughs> saw what the book purported to be about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going back to survival and resistance, this, this book went through a bunch of the um, kind of theological and philosophical underpinnings of what I recognize to be many of my own views mm. on education and government um, and, and the, the role of Christians in society. Do you, do you feel like this book like helped you? Did it solidify? Did it challenge your views? Both. Okay. I think on education, it solidified on government and the interaction between Christians in the world and just just the perspective on what's happening in the world I think it it's got me thinking more about that's actually where that question I sent you on how does our view of eschatology influence our daily lives as Christians came from yeah because I think sometimes the tempt- we have a temptation to just go eschatology, it all pan out in the end. I'm not going to worry about it. But there are aspects to our understanding of where history is going that will shape how we interact with our stories today. Yeah. I um, I remember listening to an interview with somebody who was basically defending what happened um, on January 6th last year. Not, not saying, not you know, not downplaying it, not, uh-huh. not pretending that it was a different group of people, but just I like outright defending it, saying this is this is why we were doing what we were doing, and here's basically why I wish it would have gone all the way or something along those lines. Um, or yeah, I'm I'm probably overstating it as I am want to do. What 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 did he say the goal was? I mean, the goal was so she. Actually, uh, the goal was to bring about this, you know, I mean, Trump as savior, as like the one true, he was going to president the, for life. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, it was all, it was, and it was all tied in with QAnon stuff. Yeah. Um. So it was all kind of all enmeshed together. So it wasn't just like, this wasn't just somebody who, they were not a little bit into it. They were full tilt steeped steeped yeah much like this tea that i'm drinking even though you were making jokes earlier there is something to the just just the thing with the 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 interest in having trump get that second term Mm -hmm. just the way people talked about it it made me wonder if people realized that he only gets two terms Mm. well i mean if they had hung Mike Pence, I don't, you know, like they were, I mean, they had a gal, like not a gallows, they had a, no, it was a gallows out there with an effigy of him. I mean, yeah, I don't know what would have happened then. I mean, that, that's why I ask, what what did this person who was supporting it think the end goal was? Like, so Trump gets four more years. That's, we're, we're going to like storm the Capitol so that the guy who's been president the last four years will keep being president for another four years. That seems yeah, like a lot of risk and effort for very little reward. Yeah. But you know, if you're loss aversion overreaction, you know that like to them, I don't know. Do you, I remember talking to somebody about when, when Trump got in, uh, huh. And their work offered grief counseling for their employees. Yep. That was me, right? 
No, there's somebody else. Did that happen okay. at, at your company as well? Yeah. We had a whole, we, we literally had a meeting with our team. Uh, all the managers were told to have, have a meeting with your team and find out how people are doing. Yeah. Well, at the construction company that I was at at the time. Oh, wait. No, that was after. Anyway. I'd be really like, this is very fascinating that a construction company. Oh, was I was about to say they had nothing like that. That was what I was going <laughs> to say. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, if you need grief counseling because you're, pres- you're like the person you wanted to be president isn't president, you might be too, your views of what the president is and can do and be are skewed. You haven't judged appropriately. Which, you know, when people got really, really worked up that he didn't become a two-termer, uh-huh. it's like, well, that's kind of the same thing, but, on you know, the shoe's on the other foot this time. Right. Except instead of having grief counseling, a portion of them, like, you know, did what they did. Yeah. They went to D.C. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to the streets of Portland. As opposed to the streets of Portland. That's right. There were still riots in Portland right after that. Do you not know that? Because and it no, I think matter. the national media stopped covering it. I don't think they did. By the way, on that last last one, we were talking about snow, and I was like, and you were like, Democrats. That's why uh-huh. I put the pause back in. It's like a full. I actually, I did have to cut it down some. It was way too long. <laughs> when you're trying to figure out if I was joking or not, I wasn't trying to figure out if you were joking. I was rolling my eyes as hard as I could. I was trying to get them on straight afterwards. <laughs> That's what the pause is for. Yeah. By the way, I think our Saudi Arabian lister, listener has decided he's he's not a fan or she's not a fan anymore. Stop downloading our episodes. Well, you can't win them all. No, but if you know anybody in Saudi Arabia that you think would like this podcast, please send him a link. Well, I know someone who'll be there. Actually, I'm trying to think if he's there right now or if he'll be there. I, I know a traveling. There's a traveling nurse in our um, parish group who spends yeah. his time between um, the a hospital up in Coeur d'Alene in Saudi Arabia. I heard that traveling nurses make like a hundred bucks an hour. They make really good money, <laughs> but I know they're not also not working full, full time, but maybe they are. I don't know. Um, I think they, I mean, right now they definitely can. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Jonathan about the hospital he's at and he said most of their, the vast majority of their staff are traveling nurses. Actually, that's probably very expensive for the uh, hospital. Very too. expensive for the hospital, but they're just having trouble getting nurses up in North Idaho, I guess. Yeah, I told you about my my mother in law. Like they'll pay an extra on top of your regular wages and everything. Sometimes they'll pay you like an extra seven hundred fifty bucks to work a shift. Oh, you were telling me about this. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Uh, well, so you sent some questions. Yeah. And uh, some of them are related. Some of them were very different. They were. But they were all things that were on my mind. They were. Yeah. I noticed a lot of them had to do with money. Yep. And then that made me think like, I think about money a lot too. Maybe we think about money too much and being productive. And um, what do you think about that? Effectiveness. I mean, do you think that we're too focused? I mean, we're too materially focused. I mean, that... That's where that uh, question about saving comes. Mm, okay. Well, do you want to here? Let's. Uh, so we could discuss that one. No, I think all of these would be pretty interesting, and we waffled over a few things up to this point. So we gotta we gotta talk for an hour of usable content. We don't. We're definitely not gonna get there for a minute. Uh, okay. If we each started companies, what kinds of people would we want to complement our Skills and interests. And I think I'd add with that, what kind of company would you be interested in starting, perhaps? Uh, question two. How does eschatology influence our walk with God? Question three. How do we make sure we choose metaphors appropriately? Question four. Real estate versus stocks versus owning a business. Which do we prefer and why? Uh, question five. How does being a Christian impact how we save money? Question six. 
insert question Daniel is actually interested in discussing here. <laughs> uh, the cop out question. Yeah, no, no, that was a uh, that was funny. That was fine. I'm gonna close the door so the cat doesn't make noises on the podcast. You don't find out with the cat drug. Oh, for like three days uh, while we were gone, the um one of the cats got stuck under the house. <laughs> so she's Wait. dumb. Okay, so the cat made it. Eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's even still alive. Um, when you said she's dumb, I, I, I figured that meant that she had survived. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be talking about it like that. I am exactly. unfortunately fond of our cats. Um, they have a way of they do themselves. To, they do, despite doing very little to deserve. Yeah, it's mostly just their eyes, right? We think that things with big eyes are cute because we're, well, pretty much because our babies have big eyes. That's a big reason. If you want to make something look cute, you round the edges and then, um, and our cats are fat, so that works out. Um, but big <laughs> eyes, small to small head, you got, it's just like, Large round body. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're high pitched and I don't know. Yeah. It's frustrating. What are you going to do though? People do sometimes complain about how cat cries sound like baby cries. Well, okay. So have you started a company? One, any ideas what you might start? Well, I was listening to a, this kind of came from a podcast I was listening to the other day while I was painting um, some of our walls. Oh, and that podcast was the art of product. And it's just a couple of guys who are running software startups that they started um, themselves are talking about kind of their experience as they try and bring their products to market and run a business that um, conveys their products to a market. So it's, it's basically marketing for their software products. But okay. um, through their podcast, yeah, and in it, in the in the one I picked, it was on, it was basically on what is it like to run a business, and how does that compare to what we thought it was going to be like, and some of the things they talked about were, um, when you when you scale things up, you're able to when you scale up the amount of revenue you bring in, you're able to hire more people, so you don't have to do everything, but Potentially, that doesn't change the responsibility you feel for the company. It's just you have responsibility for a much larger company and even more people are depending on you to a certain degree for their paycheck, or at least it can feel that way. Okay. And so they talked about how when you're a W-2 employee, your your job stress is tends to be more around working on things you don't getting assigned things that you aren't particularly interested in working with people that you would rather not work with. Okay. That was kind of how they put it. When you're running a business, you start your job stress goes. The other thing they they mentioned is when you're a W2 employee, the variation between your highs and lows is there's a lot less volatility. Yeah. You, you have a kind of minimum upside and a maximum upside and the variation there is minimal at the most. Cause you like your, the minimum amount you're going to get is what you agreed that you would work for. And the maximum is whatever your highest bonus is, which is usually not. And they were, they actually weren't even talking about money. They were talking about psychologically. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you say your responsibility is the same. Like it goes with that. That's kind of a index of it almost. Right, you don't have any more responsibility. Like once you once you clock out, even if you take work home with you sometimes, like when you take vacation, you don't have to worry about it. Not really. Anyway, keep going. I feel like I've I don't know, interrupted you in some way. Not really. I mean you're helping to clarify. Okay. But when you have your own when you have when you're running a business that you started the, the the successes you feel a lot more mm. and the failures or the potential failures are far more likely to keep you up at night, keep you engaged on the weekend, that sort of thing. For example, one of the examples the guy gave is if someone infringes on 
creates a product that infringes on a patent or your trademark, and you're an employee at a company, that probably isn't going to bug you that much. But if you're the person who runs the company Mm -hmm. and started the company and developed that first product, you aren't going to be able to stop thinking about it until you've done something Mm. to to make things right. I think that'd be true for a company over a certain size. But if somebody, like if we and my company had a, we built a better mousetrap and I knew Mm -hmm. that we had patents for it. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that another company was using that and not, there's no, like they essentially stole it. Right. Uh, that would bother me a great deal, partially because that's my livelihood. They're kind of, and maybe it wouldn't keep me up at night. Maybe you're I right. Mean, would you? Would you? If you heard about that on a Friday afternoon, would you be working on fixing it on Saturday? I mean, if I was asked to, yeah, probably. If you but, were not asked to, but if I wasn't asked to, no, I don't think so. And and that's the difference they're getting at. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I got you. Is there a things that you feel you have to do when you're running your own or when you're working in a company you've built mm-hmm. that you don't feel that same sense of obligation or responsibility for in a company someone else built? So what you're talking about right now is what sparked this question about things complementing, like what kind of people we would need to work with to complement each other's or to complement our strengths or weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And and because then they were talking about building a team and mm. they were talking well they were and they were talking about kind of what their view of the ideal end state of their career would be, which is not to they were very adamant that they did not want to sell their company and just hang out on a beach somewhere. They wanted to be involved in, in software mm. development. They they really enjoy solving those hard problems. Um, even though sometimes they wish they weren't solving those hard problems. It's it's working yeah. through those hard problems that they really enjoy and really um, engages their their interest and in. it's the stuff they want to be be working on. But what they they sort of hypothesized these guys are software developers. What they sort of hypothesized would be the ideal job would be is if they hired other people to basically run the company mm-hmm. and then they were able to just work on interesting technical problems involved with grow, involved with making products better for their customers. Yeah. So that's kind of the tech that my the owners of the company that I work for have done. Okay. They've hired somebody to be the president mm-hmm. and like and CEO and he answers I think to them kind of as a group right but they also work for him like the owners work for him because they also He's like the president because yeah so one of them is an estimator one of them is like in charge of um I don't know kind of some more technical aspects like he works on our SQL data, like the SQL database that we have that all of the data flows through that make the estimates and do the, um, there's stuff related to accounting as well. And then, and then the project management side of it. And yeah, one of the other guys is kind of the customer liaison um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, people for who we work for, like do the project owners essentially. Um, whether that's GCs or if we're GCing the project and then owners, but yeah, that seems like, you know, at a certain point they, it was really hard for them, I think, to each individually take off the owner, owner hat of, Mm -hmm. you know, doing, being available, trying to, you know, it's like, I don't know the answer, but I'll figure it out and, and do it. Right. Whatever, whatever that means, whether that's working super late, coming in super early, XYZ. So so they were saying that ideally they would like to be be at that place or that yes. that's just kind of a pipe dream. Um both. both. One of them was saying he thought he could get there and the other one was saying you're crazy. Oh. <laughs> so I'm curious at, at, in in the company you work for, how big is it now and at what size did the two guys who started it make that transition? The, you know. Yeah, so that's, there's there's 
one who's an estimator. There's one who works on our database and handles technical stuff. And then one who does the customer. So there's, there's three of them. Oh, three of them. Okay. Um, there's also some silent partners, I believe. Um, but all that being said, uh, so they, so the company has been around for three or four years, something along those lines. Um, and they, I mean, so as far as size, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about revenue, but I don't know that I would share that. Oh, I meant number it, of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that fluctuates quite a bit. Um, but I think this is the first year that we've been able to have, I would say the total company is probably somewhere around 30 or 40. Okay. Somewhere so in they, there. It's, if it's only been around for three or four years, they actually transitioned fairly quickly. They did. Yeah. I mean, for one of the guys, this is his like fifth or sixth company that he started. Is that the customer liaison or estimator? Nope. That's the technical guy. Interesting. But I know that the customer related guy has another company that he owns. Um, and the, yeah, the thing is, yeah. So they, they have their fingers in a lot of different little pies. I found out because one of the subs that or one of the suppliers that we work with, I found out gives us good, <laughs> really good prices because we own part of them. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go back to you. Yeah. Well, we do and we don't. They, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah stuff related through their church as well and so it's like you know if i have a project for them i haven't had i haven't we we haven't been doing very many drywall projects and that's kind of their kind of their thing they also do flooring but we aren't floor installers so we're carpenters and eis and steel and concrete eis stands for i don't know what it stands for but it means interior finishes so uh drywall steel external internal surfaces Something like that, probably. That sounds good. At any rate, that's interesting that they got there. That I, I guess it kind of makes sense where they probably have done this. This isn't their first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and I think um, they had just been working for many hours for uh, four years and or three years or whatever it was. Um, and it was just getting to be too much for their right. families. And so they were like, well. I got to do something different. Right. So hire a president, hire Daniel. Good to go. Yep. Do a restructuring. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So who, okay. You had to hire, you had to hire a partner for your, this company you're starting. Cause let's just say one, one person. What are you looking for? Operations and sales. Okay. Um, what Probably kind of company? operations first? Operations first, yeah. Anybody can learn sales. Almost anybody. Are you being facetious or no? I think most people Be- can learn sales if they really want to. Because that was kind of my thought. Not necessarily that anyone can learn sales, but that if if I had to choose one of two hats to wear, working with working directly with a customer or the operations side of a company, operations and project management side, I'd rather uh, wear the hat of sales. Why is that? Because the the problems I'd like to solve, um, I think I would enjoy interacting with the people who I'm trying to solve the problems for. Yeah, I I see project management. You know, for a two person company, or I mean, it depends on what kind of what kind of product you're you're creating. Um, but yeah, I think that that kind of makes, uh, yeah, I guess actually what kind of product would you like to create? Any ideas or no, not really. Just that's kind of where, you know, um, I'd like to do something like if I was to do something, I'd like it to be either. I mean, I'm one, one idea is to be more of a consultant engineer. Um, where I'm just sort of picking up kind of freelance jobs that I am interested in working on and then working on them and then going on to the next one. But if I was to... And being paid well for your services? Being paid enough for my services. Okay. Um, as far as products go, the, I'd really enjoy getting into 
something that would let me um, just just do design work, especially with um, with with parts that 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 move and have um, just I guess dynamic systems is the terminology. And I'm not exactly sure what what product that would be, but but solving those kinds of problems. Um, I've always really enjoyed. Hmm. And so being able to just work on the technical side of those problems, um, work with whoever um, the customer might be to understand what the problem actually is that they want solved, come up with a solution for that. And then having someone else who would just make sure that the bills get paid and that we're meeting deadlines we've given ourselves that we've communicated to the customer. Yeah. Um, managing all the services associated with accounting and um, tools we use and that sort of thing. Cool. Maybe if our listener James is listening, he he he's the type of person who would do both. I think would do well at both sales and operations management. So James, if you you have any things that you would like to work on, give let me a Kyle ring. know. Yeah, what's your cell phone number for him to call? Oh, uh, he he's got it. Oh, he's got okay. You have you have my number, James. <laughs> All right. If you ever want to work on that tool changer or something else, again. Yeah, actually, I was talking with my brother-in-law, and he's he's been making a you know, more than a what's a. What's a fun word? A bushel? He's made a bushel of knives. And I'm like, man, you got to sell them. Like, <laughs> You know, even if you're not. Uh, He's going to turn them into like big necklaces and bandoliers. No, I don't think he was planning on doing that. He's like, it's not, it's not perfect. So I can't sell it for the amount that I'd like. And I'm like, yeah, but you could probably sell it for enough to pay for the material. Right. And uh, I'm like, how much does it cost you to make this? And he was like, I don't know. This is my favorite. That's my, that's like a, the most common response. And I'm just like, well, did it cost a hundred dollars of materials? Like uh-huh. without any labor? He's like, no, no, no. It didn't cost that much. I'm like, did it cost you $10? It's like, no, but in between those Maybe two. Maybe you should ask your sister. No, I, I was like, so I was like, well, and then he, you know, he's thinking there for a minute, but this is the, that's like, everybody is that way. We're like, if they make something, it's like, well, how much did it cost? And they're like, I have no idea. And I'm like, you have some idea. Yeah. And um, he's like, well, this costs this much. This costs like 15, 20 bucks. I'm like, okay. Well, if you sold it for 50, which I definitely think you could. Uh-huh. Um, well, then you pre- would. Pre-Christmas time. What's that? Especially pre-Christmas time. Especially People pre-Christmas. I mean, for- he could have. Honestly, he he makes high enough quality stuff. He could probably sell most of his knives for. Can you sell knives on Etsy? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, yeah, an Etsy store would be very simple, and but he could he could probably sell most of his knives for well over a hundred dollars. They're handcrafted. They're beautiful. They're very sharp. They're very long lasting. Like he takes a lot of care into them. But I can't. Did you did you ask him what he thinks would make it perfect? Yeah. No, and he's he knows what he would like to do differently on each okay. and every one of the knives that he's made. Almost oh, all so of it's them. just like it's almost like a craftsman thing yep. where you chipped it just wrong here. Mm-hmm. Now uh, the okay. bevel doesn't look quite right. Now uh, this edge is a little bit sharp, and I can't I can't do that, and that would break that. And it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh-huh. he's 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 got a very he's got a very part of why they're so good is that he's got that eye for quality. And he's very conscientious. He's very conscientious, and I think that's a very good quality. Um, but you know, for sure, I'm like, I don't know. Give me your knockoffs, and I'll sell them and give you money. <laughs> you well, actually, that would be, that, be interesting if you just said, "I'll pay you X dollars for all these knives," and then you go sell them. Yeah, I wouldn't feel good about that because I know that I could sell them for more than him. yeah. I wouldn't like that. And also, cool. I don't think that my wife would like me like, uh, yeah, um, you know how we did that plumbing thing? I spent a couple hundred dollars on my brother-in-law's knives as well. But don't worry, we're going to double our money. <laughs> well, I could give you the money. 
and then, and then how much do you cut do you get kyle 10 percent. i was gonna give you more than that but yeah you can do 10 <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna make you an offer you couldn't refuse all right so you put up the money i sell them and give you 10 percent of what i make yeah okay i'll text i'll text him okay i'll sell these i could do that yeah and just see if and then tell him how much you sold them for and then <laughs> say like do this in the future <laughs> uh all right okay this, this could be a couple i don't know i mean he's probably gonna want like at least 50 bucks a knife and there's probably i don't know how much are you willing to buy at 50 bucks would, a pop would you do five i was gonna say 10 okay i'll let him know okay Maybe we'll start with five. I don't want to. I don't want to be completely underwater because I. I would. I would have to split it with you. Well, how about we do? I don't know. We can do twenty-five, seventy-five, or something. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but really, the the point of this is is to just show that the the knives can be sold for for good money. A good for good money. Yeah. And so it's essentially doing product market research. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so 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 a- you can ask him if if he'll let you do this okay let us do this yeah <laughs> this will be this, this could be fun you know you know what my wife was just saying the other day what she's like daniel it doesn't seem like you have enough projects going on when are you gonna start <laughs> something else <laughs> uh all right i'm gonna talk <laughs> i'm gonna talk well, what about, about you do, oh well, yeah do, so I was actually thinking about this as I was trying to go to sleep last night. Obviously, no- you want you want a craftsman and a silent partner. A craftsman. And a <laughs> Kyle, you are many things. A silent partner is not one of them. <laughs> My wife would agree with that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was thinking, and a lot of my interests kind of I've noticed revolve around one or two things. Mm-hmm. Words, basically, mm-hmm. is the short and long of it. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, I've, I've been writing for a long time. I, you know, we started a, a little show called Socratic Hobbits, which we use words with. We even have a tendency to twaddle. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I've been. Thank you, Charlie Munger. Yeah, thank you, Charlie Munger. Um, I, re- I went through and highlighted and marked up my my copy of that a little bit more and oh sweet yeah i could send it to you i can send to you like what i marked up but i i think i'm going to try to condense everything down to basically a couple of sentences so that i can think about it's too much to think about within the way that it is right now um so just kind of a shorthand for everything but so everything everything uh, have i told you about my kind of company slash um like, Did you buy some houses in the southeast? No, no. I guess real estate is another thing that I've been interested in, but that's mostly because I've been. It is so cheap. Did you look at houses when you were down in North Carolina? I was offended at the prices of houses. My in-laws live in a house that is like, it's like twenty-two hundred square feet. It's an acre of land. It's. Did they even pay two hundred thousand for? It? They didn't buy it. They were renting. It came okay. fully furnished. Blah 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 blah. How much? I was like. He was like, I was I was arguing essentially with my father-in-law because he had never looked at the price, but he had seen the pr- prices of houses. Right. And he was like, I think this house might be, might be 200. Yep. And I was just like, yep. What is wrong with you? There's no way this is less than 300. So it's like, even for the materials, by the yep. way, everything is brick down there, which is also weird. Like very different what I'm used to. And it was 230. Oh, so it's more than I thought. Well, yeah, but the houses around. So this is a it was a nice house. So right. Yeah. I think it's four bed, three bedroom, four bedroom, something like that. And it was in a it was in a pretty nice neighborhood. Both houses on either side were were over three hundred, but were considerably larger. Okay. Um. And how wait how big was this house? It was like twenty two hundred, twenty five hundred square feet, and something like that. They were considerably bigger to the point of being a hundred thousand dollars more. Uh huh. Wow. These were yeah, like yeah, yeah. This mansions. was the. This was the shack on the neighborhood, basically. They had more land too. Like, this was it. This was you've got like 
four, this was at the end of the cul-de-sac, and there was like three big slices of pie on that made up the end of it, and then this was the skinny piece. So Daniel, you've actually found, remember when we were talking about real estate, we were talking about how you want to find a place with with cheaper houses, but you have a reason to visit. No. no. You found anyway. a place with less expensive houses uh-huh. with a reason for you to visit. Uh-huh. Did you want to hear about my business or did you want to hear about the business that you think I should do? Well, you mentioned you were interested in real estate, but we should hear about your business <laughs> and, and who would compliment you. <laughs> well, I see that's, I don't, I mean, somebody who's very like, okay. So I, I, I said that my interest was in words right. and I've had this idea for kind of been camping on it for like six months or something, but, and making steps towards it, but not very quickly and nothing to show for it. Basically, there are something like a hundred thousand or whatever books that are in public domain. Yeah, there's more, probably more than that. Um, but digitized even on like Project Gutenberg, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are unreadable because we are lazy modern Americans, and they use words that we're unfamiliar with or that are no longer really in use. And so the meanings have changed. Um, Sentences tended to be quite a bit longer. There's little other things like um, table of contents aren't linked. They're just ugly to look at. And I've had this idea of like modernizing these books into a way that they would be kind of palatable to a modern reader. And they would have the stories from long ago, but in a more modern language and then selling them as either packages or um, if I was able to edit them quickly enough, I could kind of grow a library up to the point where I was able to like essentially license them to school districts for, you know, a penny, a book for, for like per kid or something. I don't know. Something like that. Where it's like, did you turn the brightness up quite a bit? No, I was just, because I remember you talking about this when we got coffee and I was, oh. I had forgotten to look to see if anyone had done this. Mm-hmm. I did find somebody on ebooks.com that seems like they've modernized a handful of books. There was another kind of um, company that's done this, but they're doing it specifically like as a free version, but they only have eight books. So it seems mm-hmm. like they started and it's, it's a fairly old company. So I think that they got tired of it or they found that when they don't make money, it's hard to keep going. But right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like even something as like foundational as Shakespeare's plays there. I don't, have you ever, have you ever tried to read any of Shakespeare's plays? Yeah. In school. Do you remember the stories? Yeah. I mean, some of that is I've seen plays since. So, like, I know the story of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, obviously, everyone knows Hamlet because they've seen The Lion King. Uh-huh. But they're basically unreadable without, without a, like, a thick notebook. Or not notebook, excuse me. Um, like a... I mean, I had... So, I took a Shakespeare class in college. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like a study Bible that had more, more notes at the bottom than actual text of the play on top. You know, there was this much, this much text, this much notes, like, and it was, um, it was probably a thousand page book of, um, I don't know what the paper's called. That's super thin, maybe onion paper or something like that. Right. But it's essentially what it was anyway. So it's like, well, okay. So there's, there's, you know, and there's, well, part of it is it's poetry, so it's not um, written in a in the style of prose. It's written in. Yeah, but I think that the stories are still important to us. I mean, well, I I, I was saying I think I don't know it's it's language as much as we're just moderns are bad at reading poetry. Mm. And and I guess when I was when when we were introduced to Shakespeare in school, it was in the context of poetry classes. Yeah. And so our, our minds were already going that at that clip. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helped 
Um, I, I just pulled up Henry V. And just the thing, the first thing that jumps out at me is it is poetry, like like the Iliad or the Odyssey, which yeah, also or or Beowulf is another is another that it's not written like a novel. It's it's written to be it's written to be memorized, really, and then recited. Yeah, but let's see, this one is actually not as bad as the. But there's some of these words like. The flat brain seed of spirits that hath dared. There's, I don't know. I'm looking at the one from Project Gutenberg, and there's a lot of um, a lot of typos in this one. Like a lot of V's are U's, but yeah, I just uh, I don't know. For me, I see value in. I I like honestly like for me, I would see value in being able to hand somebody who is not an English scholar, the story of um, Hamlet, the like Hamlet. Let him watch and, the Lion King. What's that? Let him watch the Lion King. Yeah. Okay. But like the I'm, Midsummer I'm sort of night. joking, but also sort of serious. Like if, if the point is to get across the gist of the message, mm-hmm. then, then Disney movies are actually um, a number of them. I'm trying to remember which one. The Little Mermaid is. I mean, The Little Mermaid is based off of an actual story as well. Like a fable? Yeah. Yeah. But even Bullfinch's fables, which are like those, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you and I just disagree about this. I don't. I, I think we're talking about different audiences. I, I think. Yeah. You, your point is like, we need to be able to get the the truths to a, in my mind, a lazy audience. Mm-hmm. Um, sure say it that's fine and but but and, also an audience that maybe english isn't their first language and i don't know like it could they be have stories too they definitely have stories too um but english is the language of commerce and the mm-hmm. kinds of metaphors that we use are from english and so I, yeah I just see that as I see that as a valuable thing. If you can, and I guess I see value in in reading Chaucer and reading Shakespeare and in their in the in the way that they were in the way that they were written because it is it's not like Beowulf where it's it's real old English and you're unless you're a Germanic speaker mm-hmm. you're you're going to get every twentieth word and if you're a Germanic speaker you'll get every fifth. Mm. Um it really is a different language. Yeah. Like if, if someone has grown up hearing the King James version, they're going to be able to understand Shakespeare. Kyle, how many people do you think fit into the category that you just made? Well, out of 350 million people. Well, I mean, most of the, at this point, not a whole lot, but my guess is if you interviewed people who are over 60, the percentage would be at between 40 and 60%. I'm sure you're right, but there's a ton of people who are younger than 60. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that most of them, I would say the percentage might be like 15 mm-hmm. who grew up listening to the King James version. And of the 85, uh-huh. how many of them want to read? I don't know, but having something that's, I don't, yeah. I just think that having something that's approachable for people who didn't grow up reading the King James version, I don't know, maybe it's a bad business idea. No, I don't, I don't think it is. I, I guess I'm not as interested in it mm-hmm. because I think there's a beauty to the language. Oh, and I would be ruining it. Well, it, it just, it would just, it's, it's like my, my concern is it gets too close to the, the cliff notes of Moby Dick. Like, Hmm. so I got the story. I got the main points, but there's a reason Melville picks the words he picks and Hmm. writes about the interactions the way he writes about them. Like a good author picks particular words and puts them in particular places. And there's a a almost musical quality to um, the writing. There's a rhythm yeah, absolutely. And I would be stripping some of that out. But 
it feels like if it feels like to me that right now 2% of people are getting that that beauty uh-huh and if i were to take out some of that beauty just to make it more readable it'd still be a beautiful thing but maybe that maybe it doubles maybe it's 4% maybe it's 6 uh-huh just by having something that's considerably more readable what do you think you'd like to start? Like, what would be? Is there a particular play of Shakespeare that you'd like to start? Oh, with? I wouldn't start with Shakespeare. He's too difficult. I would start with somewhere else. I would start with something that's closer to my time that I understand. I would probably start with one of P.G. Wodehouse's books. He was a British writer from the early 1900s. You think those are hard? No, but I think they would be to some people. I'm thinking. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't perfectly landed on a on a thing. And then, in addition to all of that, it's like, well. I want to be writing my own thing as well. Well, I mean, that could be really instructive for writing your own thing. I mean, people have gone through, I know, and created, like, there was a time when Jane Austen was super popular. And so I think around the time some of the movies came out. And so some of the publishing houses did exactly what you're talking about. Mm. And they went through and <laughs> they actually, they they turned it into study for the SAT verbal section by reading Jane Austen. Wow. So they would put in, they would highlight all the words that were like kind of archaic and um, they would put in the definitions mm. and how they were used. And Yeah. So I guess that was a particular angle on that. But whereas you would be more looking to update the language. So yeah. – but specifically, my guess is you'd be looking to update the um, – n- n- you wouldn't necessarily be looking to update the dialogue because the dialogue – maybe you'd update a little bit of the dialogue, but the dialogue does carry the accent of the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would just have potentially an eye for this is confusing or I feel like this is not as readable as it could be or – this is what this, you know, this is what this person means. And I'm sure that actually, I think that a lot of people who are kind of higher on the intelligence would maybe be somewhat offended, which it seems like you were a little bit not offended is maybe the wrong word. It's probably too strong, but just like that doesn't seem valuable. No, I think, I think I know actually part of it is I really enjoy books that are written in. Mm-hmm. a more difficult to approach language. So Cormac McCarthy is an example of someone who writes in a dialect and oh, okay. um, he, he he'll use, he'll have his characters just as a really basic example, using ye and all sorts of uh, hyphenations and um, not hyphenations, mm. but just contractions. Contractions. And... Yeah. Thank you. That's that, it, yeah that make the language um, more poetic, but also mm. it, it fits the characters and how they're perceiving them. And so I enjoy books and, and, he, and he's a modern, he, he's a present day author. Yeah. And, and so those are the kinds of books that I enjoy reading. So when I hear, Oh, we should like take these books and make them modern. I'm going, well, I'm interested in reading books that, have that sort of dialect. And so that's the that's the direction the perspective I'm coming from. Yeah, no, and I think that's perfectly fair. And so I'm just not your target audience. No, I I would not no, I would not expect you to be. Um I would expect my target audience to be people who have a much harder time with reading than you do. But who are interested in reading. Cuz that is one of the interesting things is with the advent of YouTube, I know I've talked to people who have said the generation just younger than us that has grown up with YouTube yeah. reads far less than even our generation because mm. they go and watch videos to learn things. Mm. I learn a lot of things from YouTube too, but yeah, probably not as much as the, not as much as, huh, I wonder if my wife's siblings, they're, I guess it depends on how how long a generation is, but they're, re- they're like big, big readers. They're also, I've never met a family tall. who reads so much as them. Nah, that's not true. 
but they do read a lot. What what version of the Bible does the Apostolic Lutheran Church? ESV. Well, I mean, so it depends on what what congregation you go to. Okay. But the the one that my wife and I went to that was in Vancouver read the ESV. The one that's in Hawkinson reads the King James. So they, I think they grew up reading the King James. So based on I would have suspected that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you do have a different culture there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the typical typical American culture, for sure. Hmm. I got to think. Kyle didn't like my business idea. Kyle was not interested in your product for himself. That is for sure. You definitely were not. Uh, Kyle thinks it, it could, because, I mean, like uh, Seth Godin points out, you really just need your 1,000 true fans. So if you can find 1,000 people who really like how you're updating these books, mm-hmm. you and they will pay you 100 bucks a year to do this. That's a lot set. of money. Or it's enough money. Um, yeah. For example, just throwing out numbers. Sure. So if you think of it as even that sort of subscription model, where it's, I will, you pay me 100 bucks and you get first access to whatever stuff I'm updating. Yeah. That's not not a bad idea. But I got to do one first, right? That's how that works. That that would probably be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, maybe PG Wodehouse is too new, too readable. Got to find something a little more a little more difficult. I just love his stuff, man. If there's a way that I could get more people to read PG Wodehouse, I would. Gussie, there are newts in the pool. I don't know what you're talking about. What book is that from? Leave it to P. Smith? Not, not leave it to P. Leave it to S- Smith? You leave it to Smith. Yeah. Huh. I haven't read that. That one doesn't sound familiar. I thought I'd read most. I like was going through my, my catalog of his stuff and I was like, well, that says 100% finished. That says 100% finished. And then I look, I was like really excited. I found a book that I thought I hadn't read. Uh-huh. And it turns out it was just a compilation of previously read books. Okay. Like I knew the beats of the stories as I was going yeah. through them. I read a few of them that I'd already read a couple times, but yeah. Hmm. Kind of surprised you haven't heard of the wheel of time. Uh, I got to get going. We, uh, it's been an hour and a half. It, sh- it certainly has. Um, hmm. I wonder what I'm going to title this one. I kind of jumped around quite a bit. How do you compliment? How to compliment? Yeah, I'm going to spell compliment wrong. I'm going to say, I'm going to say <laughs> compliment. Complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> Just get people on and expecting one thing and it's totally different. They didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, Daniel again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating on whatever service you use. If you didn't, there's contact info in the show notes. We'd love to hear your feedback. There's also a link to support us financially if you're so inclined. Thanks so much.